Welcome to the Investing Experts Podcast. I'm Daniel Snyder. In this episode, we're joined by Owen Clendenin, leader of the Green Growth Giants Investing Group here on Seeking Alpha. This niche group focuses on the decarbonization economy to find hidden investment opportunities. And today, we're talking all about lithium. But first, did you know the link to our guest investing groups can be found in the description of this podcast? Give it a click and check them on out. Now let's get to the interview. Let's dive right in. The decarbonization economy is what you focus on. Can we just start by stating what is that? What is the decarbonization economy? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I think the decarbonization economy is kind of at service level what it sounds like, you know. Um, right now, obviously, as we have a lot of fears about climate change, temperatures rising, um, there's a drive from a lot of countries around the world to rein in their carbon output and, um, you know, really try to try to tackle that climate issue. Um, so by reining in their carbon output, they're decarbonizing industries. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the economy around that, all of the new businesses, all the new technologies that are being developed for this transition, whether that's carbon capture or primarily electric vehicles is what we see. Uh, oftentimes grabbing grabbing the spotlight um it's it's this new uh new economy that's uh largely based around trying to um limit the carbon output of the various industries that we have in our world what made you want to start focusing on this space instead of something that's more clickable and high and mighty in the media such as technology stocks why this uh i actually think in a lot of ways it's a a pretty solid jump from technology stocks um but in in general uh you have or from what i saw you have a tremendous opportunity generational opportunity with decarbonization um you know it's estimated we're going to be spending trillions of dollars a year um to, to decarbonize our industries and when there's that kind of money being spent there's money to be made um and so when i first started looking into it i think uh, tesla was my jumping point in 2015 um, obviously, they were kind of really pioneering the electric vehicle market at that time. And from there, my interest in the sector just kind of naturally grew as I came to understand what kind of opportunity was uh, what kind of opportunity was available here and the kind of investment that was that was pouring in. So you said you started with Tesla. Where has this grown from there? Current day, um, I would say my my focus now is primarily on the lithium industry. Um, and a few other battery metals, uh, nickel as well, I cover. Um, and then with battery technology as well. Um, I find battery technology more so than the, uh, the EVs themselves present another great opportunity for, for growth because you see, you know, the, the lithium ion battery was invented in the, uh, the 1970s, right, by John Goodenough. Um, but really since 2010, even, there wasn't that much change done to the basic premise of the battery and all of a sudden over the past 10 years 13 15 years technology's exploded um, as investment pours into the sector um, and so looking at you know the technologies on the rise there uh, also presents a pretty tremendous opportunity to see uh, get ahead of the curve so i think you hit the the hot word of the episode is lithium right a lot of investors keep hearing this word around how should investors approach investing in the lithium space right now if they don't know anything about it yeah uh so lithium i think first and foremost something i want to 
clarify is it, it's a specialty chemical, right? It, it's not a commodity. Um, all of your customers, whether that's your cathode producers, your battery manufacturers, your EV manufacturers, they all have different specs on what they need for lithium. Um, and, and the industry at this point is still far too immature to be considered a, a commodity. You know, maybe, maybe someday, I'm sure 20, 10, maybe 10 years out, um, that'll change. But right now, not yet. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to get into too much of the weeds just yet. But I think one of the most important things also to understand is where it comes from, right? You have two, two types of sources primarily, uh, brine and hard rock. And then within hard rock, there are a bunch of different types of ores that you might be mining. The primary one there is spodumene. Um, and then when you're producing lithium, uh, you, you're either producing the end product, at least for the EV industry, is either a lithium carbonate or a lithium hydroxide. Um, but oftentimes you'll have, especially in Australia with the hard rock miners, you'll have um, a spodumene concentrate produced as an intermediary step, which contains about uh, 6% lithium oxide. So lithium oxide actually has a higher lithium concentrate, or yeah, lithium concentration of lithium than just lithium carbonate. Uh, so it's about 2.5x more lithium is in lithium uh, oxide than lithium carbonate. So in a perfect world, it would take you about five tons of 6% spodumene concentrate to make one ton of lithium hydroxide. But you know, in the real world with conversion inefficiencies and, and all the various losses that are associated with that chemical process, it's really about seven to eight tons of lithium or 6% spodumene concentrate per ton of lithium hydroxide or carbonate equivalent. Where are these companies like Tesla getting all of their lithium from? So when you're looking at a company like Tesla, especially, it's usually pretty diversified. Um, but the largest producer or largest um, country uh, for lithium production, raw lithium production or lithium extraction, I should say, because it gets a little nuanced here as well, um, is Australia. You know, about half of the lithium production in the world comes from Australia. However, Australia doesn't actually produce any battery chemicals. So uh, Australia produces pretty much exclusively 6% spodumene concentrate. There are a couple of companies now that are investing in uh, refineries in Australia to try to produce that hydroxide on site. But right now, all of that is shipped to China. Um, and so when you hear people talking about China having this huge grip on the lithium market or the battery market, that's really what they're talking about. So China itself doesn't have too many natural lithium uh, resources. And the, the ones that they do aren't really that great. It's usually low concentration brines or uh, lipidolite, um, which is another hard rock ore. But they own the refining. Um, they have pretty much a complete monopoly over it. Um, and so that's most often where Tesla's getting their, their battery production, especially because they rely on uh, lithium hydroxide for their NCA battery chemistry. Um, but if you're looking carbonate, most of that's coming from Chile. For investors looking at this space, say they want, should they be investing in the refining process companies or should they be more investing in the discovery and mining of lithium? Yeah, uh, great question. So at the moment, I mean, I prefer integrated production sites. I think that's where you get the most bang for your buck. Um, so the companies that are mining it and refining it. Um, but if you had to choose one, the mining business right now is is stronger. Um, 
I put out an article recently actually looking at uh, Tesla and some of their comments about the uh, the lithium space or Elon Musk's comments about the lithium space. Um, and being in the refining business right now isn't too bad, right? Um, everyone in lithium right now is making a fair bit of money. Um, but your margins there, even at the peak, even at the peak, we're looking at about, you know, 20, 30%. Again, not half bad. But for mining, you're looking at, you know, 90%, 80%. Because we're so, we're, we're very much ore limited rather than refining capacity limited. And so at the moment, and I, that's what I kind of foresee for the next, you know, the foreseeable future, I suppose. Um, the lead times for mines is just significantly higher than the lead times for a refinery. Um, so it's much easier for the refining business to, uh, to respond to fluctuations in demand than it is for the mining industry to do so. Um, and so if you had to choose one, I would go, I would go the mining extraction. So we've been talking about the general overall sector of lithium so far. What about like some individual names, right? Like I personally don't know any, I'm sure some listeners don't know any as well. Where should they start looking at companies uh, that you have kept an eye on? Yeah, um, I think this is where you can kind of break it down between your producers and your juniors, right? Um, so on my coverage universe, I cover a lot of juniors as well, which are companies that aren't yet producing but they own um, a lithium asset and they're currently in the process of developing it. Um, in terms of the producers though, I think you know, your big names, obviously, Ganfeng, Albemarle, uh, Alchem, um, SQM, um, you know, even Livent you could throw in there, but all of them kind of have certain compromises. So Ganfeng, um, biggest lithium company, I, I really like their business plan. They have a lot of really great assets. Um, unfortunately, they are located in China, right? Um, so that obviously carries a certain geopolitical risk, uh, especially as you see countries like the United States trying uh, or even limiting the amount of Chinese investment that they're allowing within the country for these, uh, these critical supply chains. And now with the Inflation Reduction Act, the new EB tax credit is based on what percent of your battery minerals are sourced from countries that we have a free trade agreement with, right? Um, so U.S. producers are obviously going to start trying to diversify away from China. And at the moment, when we're supply limited, producers don't really have the, the luxury of picking and choosing, but down the line, that could be an issue. Um, Alchem, I think, is another solid company, but something they struggle with is they're, they tend to be pretty sluggish. Um, they have a slow response time. They shut down their uh, Wojina mine in 2019 which you know, at the time was probably the right decision. Pricing wasn't great for them um, and it made sense, but it took them a couple of years to get that back into production. Um, and they missed out on a lot of the huge rise at the start. Uh, they've also just been slow in their expansions. They've been trying to expand their production in Chile for probably half a decade now. Um, no, no such luck there yet either. Um, so you, know, you have these existing producers. Alchem, I'd say is probably my favorite producer at the moment um but you know you have all these producers that are great they're able to take advantage of of the of the money on the table now um but the juniors i also think are, are really exciting um so a couple of juniors lithium americas has been my favorite for quite some time they've got a project in nevada two in south america 
um, or yeah, two in South America, recently acquired Arena Minerals to enlarge their uh, Sal de la Puna project. Um, and with, with, with juniors, you have the ability to capitalize on the attractive financing environment. Um, you know, in most other junior mining industries, whether that's gold, iron, whatever you have, whatever metal you're talking about, financing is one of the hardest things to, to orchestrate. You know, you can call that a failure of management or, you know, whatever other factor, but really the crux of the issue is financing. And right now, because of the extreme demand for lithium and the extreme growth of that industry, uh, financing is cheaper than it is in any other junior mining sector. It's more readily available than it is in any other junior mining, se junior mining sector. And that can help supercharge your returns. And obviously you have the added benefit of um, mining a metal that I think has quite a long runway in terms of uh, price upside uh, that they can lock in down the line. So I like Lithium America's great management, great projects, um, green technology metals in Australian company, but with a mine in uh, Canada is another good one, I think much earlier on, but uh, and again, good management and looks to be a pretty solid project there as well. So to unpack all of that, two questions for you. One, how far of a runway do you see this having and two you said management i imagine management is a huge key in this space which company would you say has the best management and how they operate yeah both great questions uh so the first one i think the runway you know it's it's hard to say um smp actually has a good visual on this um right now you have about 53 lithium projects under development in a pipeline projected to come online before uh, 2030. Uh, if all of those projects make it online before 2030, you're looking at a shortfall of about 680,000 tons per year of lithium carbonate. For context, the market for lithium carbonate, you know, two years ago wasn't even that big. So you're looking at a shortfall that was bigger than the lithium market was two years ago. Um, the other thing too is it's unlikely that all those projects will make it to production by then. Um, there's tends to be a lot of delays in this industry. Uh, sometimes mines just don't even aren't able to make it either. Um, so, you know, if that's that, of course, is contingent upon demand being there. Um, as I see it, I, I don't think there's much that could get in the way of demand. Um, I think obviously right now there there are recession fears. That, that could impact the demands. But what that does, in my opinion, is really just push back the investment horizon. Um, so you might have dead money for a while um, and some of your juniors might have to go under or force themselves to be sold. Um, but because lithium projects have such a long lead time, usually you're looking at at least seven years from initial discovery. Um, we kind of have a pretty good idea of what the best case scenario could be seven years from now. Um, and if there's a recession, fin financing dries up, investment dries up. Um, and so then the investments that we need now for demand seven years from now aren't there, right? So I, I think we, we probably have at least another seven or so years of this very volatile market where price or, supply and demand is constantly swinging back and forth. Um, but I think more often than not, we'll be in a supply deficit. Um, 
Now, in terms of management, on the junior side, I talked about them already. I think Lithium Americas has the best management of any of any junior mining company at the moment. Um, incredibly intelligent base and something that a lot of juniors don't have, which is experience. Um, obviously, this is a very young industry, right? So you don't have a lot of the same um, workforce that you do in other industries, right? You don't have experienced executives. You don't have a whole pool of talent to pick up from schools because no one's really teaching lithium refining, lithium extraction. Um, but Lithium Americas has been able to you know, piece together a pretty solid management team that has experience in the lithium industry, um, building companies, uh, building exploration from exploration to production. Um, so in terms of juniors, I'd, I'd probably have to lean towards Lithium Americas. Um, and then for existing producers, I would, I would have to probably give that one to Alchem. Um, again, they're, they're much more uh, agile than most producers are, which right now I think you have to be, again, because of that volatility. Um, they're consistently demonstrating, you know, they have how they're able to take advantage of swings in the spot market by hosting price auctions uh, for their spodumene concentrate um, and, and things like that. It's they recently also, I, it was about a month or two ago, uh, unveiled this this new tolling agreement uh, where their spodumene price is linked to what their refiners' hydroxide final selling prices, which is kind of a, a convoluted pricing mechanism. But again, it it demonstrates you know their willingness to uh, to innovate within not just on the production and and mining side of things, but also on the pricing side of things, their their commercial strategy as well, I think has proven to be very, very intelligent. So I'm looking here at Lithium Americas on uh, Seeking Alpha, ticker symbol LAC. Looks like they're headquartered out of Canada. If I get, yep, I got that right. Um, question for you about Lithium in America though, right? We've talked about Australia, we talked about Chile. Is there Lithium deposits in America? Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, so what, what you have in in America primarily in the United States is a third type of lithium deposit. So I mentioned brine, I mentioned hard rock. In the United States, you're looking primarily at sedimentary or clay. Um, right now, there's only one lithium project in the United States that is under operation, and that is Albemarle's uh, Silver Peak operation in Nevada, uh, and that is a brine operation. So it's, but it's, you know, it's a fairly small operation. It's not great quality. I think they're producing about 5,000 tons a year. They're trying to get that to 10,000, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but primarily what you have is a lot of um, sedimentary deposits also primarily located in, in Nevada. Um, so those, that's what Lithium Americas is developing a sedimentary deposit in uh, called Thacker Pass in northern Nevada, right on the border. Um, and then you also have a couple companies, Ioneer, developing a sedimentary deposit, American Lithium, um, Century Metals, another company I actually rather like, developing pretty adjacent to uh, Albemarle Silver Peak Mine. Uh, but yeah, you're looking primarily at, at uh, sedimentary deposits there. Thanks for clarifying that. Oh, and I want to ask you uh, before we wrap up, I have another question specifically about this lithium industry, right? I said, I don't know a lot about it. When you're going through earnings calls and presentations and looking at the fundamentals of these companies, is there anything specific that investors should look for within lithium that they wouldn't necessarily look for elsewhere? 
Yeah, I think, again, it depends on whether you're talking about a, uh, a producer or a, um, a junior mining company. If you're looking at, at a producing company, I think what you want to really look for is try to determine what their selling point is. Um, the pricing structure in the lithium industry can be very opaque. Um, it, it's very difficult. It's not usually completely aligned with the spot prices. So the spot prices are what we see often reported, but that's not what lithium prices truly are. Um, you know, you might have a spot price of 70,000, but your contract price is 40,000, or you might have a spot price of 30,000, but your contract price is still 40,000. Um, and it can vary significantly by company to company. Um, you could have a company for the same quarter that has a average selling price of 20,000 and one that has 45,000. Um, and so what, what you really need to look out for there is how well the company that you're trying to follow is taking advantage of the market, um, how well they're able to, to sell their product and get, you know, a good price for their lithium. Um, but that's not only indicative of the management strength, but then also, obviously, um, it doesn't matter how strong the lithium market is if the company is unable to take advantage of that. So I'd say that's probably one of the first things I, I'm looking for when I when I go through that material. In terms of a junior, um, I, I think it's really just important to understand the resource quality. Um, again, management is critical for a junior because that can really doesn't matter if you have a great resource if you have a bad management team, it's not going to make it to production. Um, so that's another thing you want to focus on. You want to see if they have experience, but you also need to have a good project. Um, so for a brine project, typically you like to see something more than 500 uh, uh, milliliters per liter in terms of concentration of lithium in the brine. Um, for a hard rock, for a spodumene, you want to see ideally 1.5% or higher. Um, you know, you can get as low, you know, 1% is all right as well. Um, especially right now, but those are typically what I try to look for in terms of um, just the quick and easy. Obviously, there, there, there's more nuance to it as well, but the quick and easy, I would say, is to look at that, and you want to see what kind of source it is. Um, if it's hard rock, you want to see if it's spodumene, if it's, um, you know, because you have, if you have lipidolite, for example, lipidolite, um, a similar ore in a way, in, but only in the sense that it contains lithium. Um, producing lithium hydroxide from lipidolite from the ground up usually will cost about, at least for a high grade lipidolite deposit, you're looking at a $20,000 per ton production cost. Whereas for you know the highest grade spodumene projects, you're probably looking at uh, you know as low as 8,000 per ton. So it's important to understand the mineral as well that, that they're getting the lithium from, especially in, in the case of, of hard rock deposits. All right. And one last question before we get on out of here. In an article that you're putting out this week on your service, you mentioned something about the lithium price safety net. What is that? Yeah, I think that's something that is important for investors to understand. Um, right now, lithium is so detached from the cost curve, it is pretty much only a supply and demand issue, right? Um, but as the lithium industry matures and you know we're looking 10 years down the line um, you know on seeking alpha obviously my my, my writing name is long-term tips so i think you, you can get the idea of I, I like to look towards the long term and so a lot of these companies are you know ideally 
10 plus year holds. Um, and so 10 plus years from now, hopefully the lithium industry is a little more mature. Um, we're at a state where maybe we're coming back towards the cost curve. And that's something that I find some subscribers of mine um, are concerned about, or even in general in the, in the industry as a whole, people are concerned about us returning to that cost curve. Um, and so the safety net is something I, as I like to call it, is um, right now we, we're seeing the cost of producing lithium skyrocket. Um, obviously some of that has to do with inflation, but primarily it's because of the need to increase lithium production so rapidly that a lot of these producers have targeted lower quality projects, lower quality deposits, which has increased the average cost to produce lithium. So if you're looking, you know, two years ago, the average cost to produce uh, spodumene concentrate at, you know, you're probably looking at $800 a ton. Now it's easily over $1,500 a ton, right? If you need seven to eight tons of that to produce lithium hydroxide or lithium carbonate, you can kind of see how these costs are ballooning um, as the, the, the average quality of projects decreases. Um, but if you look further into uh, lipidolite, uh, which I mentioned earlier, so brine, hard rock is about 50%. Uh, brine is about uh, uh, 35%, and then lipidolite is the rest of your production, give or take, you know, couple percentage points. Um, and lipidolite is that really low quality stuff or that really um, complex material where it's harder to, to extract the lithium from the ore, uh, much more chemically intensive, much more challenging, takes a lot longer. Um, and so for hard, high quality lipidolite projects, you're looking at about 20,000 at least per ton to extract, right? So you're going from having an average production cost of maybe eight thousand dollars per ton in 2019 2020 even and now at the high end of the cost curve you have producers that are in the high 20s maybe even the low 30 thousands per ton and lipidolite now being you know 15 percent or so of the supply picture you can't just cut that out um if you cut out the lipidolite that's a big chunk of the market and so prices need to be able to sustain those upper end uh, lithium producers in order to maintain an, an even supply balance. And so what I see is 10 years from now, sure, we might not be as uh, supply limited as we are now, but if you can get into these low cost projects early on in their life, then you stand to do very well for yourself down the line, because if they're still producing at you know, some are producing as low as, you know, $4,000, $5,000 per ton. But then you have in China with lipidolite producers producing for $20,000, $30,000 per ton. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an incredible comparative advantage that you've got. And you can, you can, you can do pretty well with those, with those margins. Um, so yeah, that, that's really what it's all about is right now we're in a supply limited, uh, we're in a supply limited market. But down the line, as we shift towards a better balance, um, the, the ramifications of having to boost supply so quickly will kind of prevent them from total collapse, I suppose. And, and you know, margins will still be pretty fat. 
Man, I got to say, I feel like I just went like lithium school 101. You have dropped so much knowledge on us today. There's so many terms that I need to go research further or just go. I mean, I could always come ask you, right? Like you're the master of lithium. Um, Appreciate all the time today. Thank you so much for the insights, Owen. Uh, Anything else you want to say to our listener before we jump off here? Uh, You know, I I think the most important thing is it's it's a very complex industry. There's a uh, there's a lot to unpack. I could probably... (laughs) keep going for hours, but, um, you know, that's, that's, we scratch the surface here, but, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice at times myself or the guests, my own positions and the securities mentioned, but this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. And just a reminder, you can find a link to the investing group service in the description or show notes page on seeking alpha, and we'll see you next episode.